2 Peter chapter 3. While we're turning there, I did forget to do the birthdays and anniversaries, but at this point, we'll wait till next Sunday. Are we there? Second Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse number 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace, without spot and blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. And also our beloved brother Paul, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, and which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall away from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I want to talk about the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire, and you will prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So thank you for sending your word to us today, and thank you for what your word will accomplish in our lives. I pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit that I might minister under your anointing. Father, I want to be accurate. I want to speak clearly. I want to communicate what you communicated to me. So speak, Lord. We need to hear from you. I yield to you. Have your way. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen. As I was sitting in worship a little earlier, I, I was just sitting thinking and just reflecting on people and life and living, and I hope all of us are paying attention. And I wonder sometimes if 
people don't ask, what is all of this for? Why do we come to worship? Why do we, why do we sing the praises of the Lord? What does all of this matter? And I realize that some people don't understand. And I realize that some people come to worship because it's the right thing to do. And I realize that there are a lot of people who are religious in nature and don't have a real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you consider the scriptures, you study the scriptures and you consider the fact that God has created this world. God sent Jesus into this world to die for our sins. God raised him from the dead so that we could have everlasting life. We've been saved by his blood. We do have so many things to rejoice for. And you consider the fact that the Lord is coming back one day. That's what this is all for. So we don't come to worship simply to get a fix and get a high for the moment. Part of what we do is to help prepare people for the coming of the day of the Lord. Now, all of us may be dead physically when the Lord comes back. But that's not going to prevent us coming. He's coming. The dead in Christ will rise first. And if you've died outside of Christ, there is no hope for your salvation. And to live eternally with the Lord. If you die in Christ, then you're going to go back with him. People may not believe it, but there is a separation. There is a judgment that's coming. And we don't hear a lot about it in the churches today. But the scripture speaks of it. And we need to be preparing people. We need to, we need to as ministers of the gospel, try to do all that we can to prepare people or to warn people and teach people so that they will be ready when the Lord comes. Because he's coming again. And, and so, as I was meditating about what to preach about, the Lord gave me this. This is Advent season. We deal with the coming of, of Christ. Uh, but when, as much as we rejoice over his first coming, he's coming again. We need to know that. We need to embrace that. Because sometimes we get caught up in life and living and we don't think about the fact that Jesus is coming again. Sometimes we get caught up in doing whatever it is that we do. And we don't think about the fact that Jesus is coming again and that we don't know the day nor the hour when he comes. And when we, when we even think about that, we ought to think about the fact that we don't know where death is. You know. We don't know when we're going to die. You don't have to be sick to die. You don't have to be 95 to die. Yeah, yeah, you, you 
you just don't know. You think about every time I, I'm riding on the interstate and I, I go under an overpass, I think about how people have dropped things from the bridges and hit people's cars, and they were killed in the vehicle. And I get in my car to go somewhere. I think about people who die in accidents. You don't have to be sick to die. You don't have to be old to die. And this is not a morbid sermon. It's, it's the truth. And the thing about it is, we will want to be ready whenever that day comes. We will want to, want to be ready. This, this sermon talks about the day of the Lord. And it's something that, that we need to focus more on. Um, it's talked about in Scripture. It's talked about in the Old Testament uh, by the writing prophets. There were prophets that wrote. Uh, there were prophets who prophesied and didn't write, but there were prophets who wrote. And, and so when you look at the day of the Lord in the Old Testament, it, 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 it character, it's characterized by a pouring out of God's wrath on his enemies. So when you read in the book of Joel, um, Joel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, you read about this, and Amos and, and Zechariah and other, other prophets. You read about God's pouring out of wrath. You read about, uh, you see images of natural disasters. And, you know, I've said this before, people today are very reluctant to say that natural disasters are part of God's judgment on, on the earth. But we have to be, if we're Bible-believing Christians, we have to acknowledge that, that God is not pleased with what he sees in this world today. And, and when you study the day of the Lord and the events, the historical events that relate to the day of the Lord, and you see that, that the prophets over four decades prophesied about the coming of the day of the Lord, you see a progression in the process. And it was not just a one-time event in the Old Testament. Uh, you know, it was, it was God at different intervals pouring out his wrath because of the people's sin. And I don't understand how it is today that, that we can't equate some of the natural disasters that we see as a result of God's judgment upon this world. And though it's not the final judgment, if God is doing this, he's doing it for a reason. And the reason is that he wants us to wake up. He wants us to to, to, to wake up to truth and wake up to righteousness and godliness and wake up to the fact that, that he is sovereign, that he is worthy of our worship and our allegiance, not just our worship and our praise, but our allegiance. I asked that question in our ministerial association one day, and people were not willing to, to admit that because we live in a day where people say, God is, is love. God is good. And God will not do anything like that because all of those things are evil. So if you equate those things to God, then you're saying God does evil. But that's man's perspective. 
God hates sin. And God has told us in Scripture that he punishes sin. And we see it in the Bible. So when I see natural disasters, I can understand some of it being the judgment of God. Some of it is we brought about it ourselves. You know, when you see holes open up in the ground and swallowing up vehicles, and you see the way that we build houses today and we fill holes, we put culverts under the ground, and in heavy rains, you can understand why the holes will open up eventually, because water's going to find a way. Are you all following me? Some stuff we bring about ourselves. You know, you can't blame everything on the devil. Yeah, I was reading yesterday in our devotional, you know, you got the sin within you that you have to deal with. You got the sin around you you have to deal with. Then you have the enemy above you that you, you have to deal with. You know, some things we bring about ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Some, things, some sins we fall into, you know, temptation is not sin. It's temp- temptation is not sin. Sin is when you yield to the temptation. That's when you sinned. Yeah. Temptation is around us every day. You know you got diabetes. You had no business eating that whole pie. <laughs> Just because it was sitting on the table, you didn't have to eat it. <laughs> Temptation is around you. You got high blood pressure and you're eating chitlins at Thanksgiving. Just because it's Thanksgiving, you know your blood pressure is high when you went to the dinner. <laughs> Amen. Tem- you, don't, you don't have to yield. <laughs> you don't have to yield to temptation. Yeah, so temptation is not sin. It's to yield into it. That's and so we bring some things on ourselves, and I understand that. But we have to see the judgment of God on sin and disobedience. And, and, and part of it, if God is pouring out his wrath, it's not that he's mean. It's not that he's hateful. But people dishonor him. People hate God. People, people war against God. God has to deal with this. Because he wants people to come back to him. Jesus died on the cross so that everybody could be saved. God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that, that, that everyone could be saved if everyone would believe. Yeah, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. Yeah, it's characterized by the pouring out of God's divine wrath. And when you read the Old Testament, it's over a period of maybe four decades, that they prophesied. And you wonder, like people do today, listen to me. Listen to me. Look up at me. I want to see your eyes. Thank you. Like people do today. Preachers have been preaching about Jesus coming ever since I was a little child and he hadn't come yet. Prophets have been prophesying about Jesus coming again, and he hasn't come yet. 
He must not be coming. Must not be coming. A lot of people believe that Jesus is not coming, that this is, this is, this is just something, a figment of people's imagination, that the word of God is not true. But the word of God is true. Jesus is coming again. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is not only characterized by the outpouring of God's wrath, but it's, it also, on the other hand, is characterized by, the, by pouring out of divine blessing upon God's people. Amen? So, many times when you read in the Old Testament about the day of the Lord, it deals with the judgment, but it also deals with the blessings that he will pour out upon his people as he deals with his enemies and as he brings his people back to him. So, when you look at it, there's a dual nature to the day of the Lord. Yeah. And it's illuminated by the purpose of the day of the Lord. The writing prophets describe the day of the Lord as coming so that people will turn from idols and return to the true and living God. Amen. Turn from idols. You know the greatest idol today, I believe, is self. We worship ourselves. This is my life. I live it like I want to live it. I do what I want to do. I go where I want to go. And nobody has a right to tell me anything different. We set ourselves up as God. But when you look at the nature of the day of the Lord, it's to cause people to turn from worshiping idols. You didn't create yourself. You don't belong to yourself. There's nothing you can do apart from the, the say-so of the Lord allowing you to do it. You will not get up out of your seat right now and walk out of this building unless the Lord permits you to do it. You can't do it. If God says no, you will be living and crippled, paralyzed, sitting in your seat. If God says no, there's nothing you can do apart from God allowing you to do it. So those who recognize the severity of the day of the Lord will begin to cry out for God's mercy. And call on the name of the Lord to be saved. They will also seek refuge in the eternal rock, Jesus Christ. These are the purposes of the day of the Lord. God wants people to come back to him. You know, and the Bible says that, that God is not uh, slack, as some people count slackness. But God is patient with us, not willing that anyone should perish, but what? That all should come to repentance. So, you know, you look at the time that we've been preaching, that the church has been preaching about the coming of the day of the Lord, you got to realize that he's not slack as we count slackness. He wants you to repent. Yes. 
But it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that. It goes beyond that. Jesus said that this day, his second coming, and I know I'm jumping way ahead of myself right now, will not take place until this gospel has been preached to every nation or every people group of the world. And we know from studying and from people who've done the research that there's yet 1,500 people groups who've never had a preacher, never had a missionary go to them, never heard the gospel preached. That's delaying the Lord's coming. So it has more than to do with him wanting you to repent because if you're living in sin, he's giving you opportunity to repent, to repent right now. It has more to do with the fact that there are other people who need opportunity to repent and they've not yet had a chance to hear the gospel message preached. He's coming again. Just like you didn't know that there are 1,500 groups who've not heard the gospel preached, you won't know when that last group gets the gospel preached to, him, to them. You understand me? You understand me? Yeah. The day of the Lord. Not only deals with the Old Testament, but we're in the New Testament. We're preaching from the New Testament. And, and when you get into the New Testament, you begin to talk about eschatology. Eschatology is the study of end times and end, end things. Sometimes when we talk about this, we talk about, as I said earlier, the coming of Christ. But he's already come. He's already been born. He's already died on the cross for our sins. But remember the words that the angel spoke to those disciples that day. As they were standing, gazing up into the sky as Christ was taken up from them. They said, you men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into the skies? For this same Jesus who's taken up from you shall so come in like manner. Just as he's been coming again. He came the first time to save us. He's coming the second time in judgment. The time in between, he's given to the church. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Sometimes I know most people value missions, but some people don't understand why we go, don't understand what we do, but it's a part of the Great Commission, because in the church age, we continue the ministry of Jesus Christ. He came to save. Now he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ to go into the world. Now let me tell you. Your county has heard the gospel preached. South Carolina has heard the gospel preached. The United States of America 
has heard the gospel preached. There is no shortage of preaching the gospel in these United States of America. Turn to BET all day long. You can hear the gospel preached. Every Sunday, churches are open. Every Wednesday, churches are open. People are in the streets preaching the gospel. What do we do? Most of us don't care. Most of us will not turn to BET and watch it. Most of us will not darken the door of a church on Wednesday night. Most of us won't do it. Because all of this really does not matter to most people. We are a very religious society. And the longer we live, the farther and farther away from God we're going. But Jesus is coming again. And it remains our responsibility to cry loud and spare not, regardless of how people respond. Let me ask you, my brothers and sisters, everybody sitting in here today, don't turn a deaf ear to the Word of God. I know you're caught up in life. I know you're caught up in living. I know you got this thing going on and that thing going on, but don't turn a deaf ear to the word of the Lord. Don't allow the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ just to become idle tales to you. Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. The same Jesus, not another Jesus. Angel said, the same Jesus that was taken up from you shall so come in like manner. And so we have to continue this work. We have to continue to preach this gospel until Jesus comes again. And he, Jesus said in Revelation, listen to what he said, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. To give, how many people? Every person. How many is every? Are you included in every? To give every person according as his works shall be. But he goes on to say, he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. But he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. Why does he say that? Because when he comes, at that day, there's no time for repentance. Lord, help us today. Help us today. There's no time to say, there's no time to say, Lord, forgive me. Because he's coming in a moment, as quick as you bat your eyes. Most of us are batting our eyes and we don't, blinking our eyes or whatever you want to say. And we do it so fast, 
We don't realize we've done it. That fast. That fast. So, if you realize that he's come, you don't have time to repent. Does it matter? Well, if you, you know there used to be a day when people have the sign, no fear. They have it on their cars, their vehicles, no fear. So if you're one of those people, you don't fear anything. You don't fear death. You don't fear hell. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you don't believe there's a hell, well, the proof is in the pudding. Just die and go there. I'm not trying to go to hell. I'm not trying to find out. I remember Miss Lula Wilkes telling me one time, she said, when I was a child, my mama had some liniment. Y'all don't know anything about liniment. Some of y'all know liniment. She said, she didn't know what it was. And she said, she just rubbed herself with that liniment. She said, Pastor, I was burning all over. And I said, Mama, if hell is hotter than this, I don't want to go to hell. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Mm. But I remember the scriptures. I remember Jesus teaching about Lazarus and Davies. I believe there's a hell. The Lord said there's a hell. And I believe the word. This, this information is critical. It's critical for our hearing today. Even though we don't hear a whole lot about the day of the Lord anymore. And, I, and we don't hear a lot about it because a lot of people just deem it's, it's not necessary to talk about. It's irrelevant. Remember the message God gave me about when God becomes irrelevant. When the things of God become irrelevant to us. We're in dangerous territory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and as I said earlier, a lot of us have fallen into the trap that the early church had fallen into who would say that Jesus hadn't come in all of this time, he's not coming back. And again, maybe we just don't believe. Maybe we think that, that if we preach salvation and get people into the church, that that's enough to keep them. But, but we've been preaching salvation and getting people into the church, and they don't stay long. We've been doing that for a long time. So preaching salvation and getting them into the church sometimes doesn't keep people. There are things that help keep us. Amen. There are things that help encourage us in our walk with the Lord. Because all of us go through trials and all of us go through tribulations. All of us go through times when we just don't feel like it. Tell the truth and shame the devil. So maybe we've gotten to that point. Another thing is that we misunderstand God's time. See, we think in terms of time. See, Jesus is coming back before this generation. I was reading in the book of Matthew. He says, some of you standing here, the end will come, and you'll see it before this generation passes away. And I was reading that and just got another revelation to that. The, rev the generation is this a church generation. Before the church ends, before this church period ends, Jesus will come back or he will herald the end of the church age. We're living in that dispensation now. 
I mean, I'm not saying that's the exact interpretation of that. I'm just giving that to you for a thought. Because sometimes you read the Bible and you can misunderstand what the Lord's intentions are in saying what he said. All right? But the Bible says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways and our ways and God's thoughts than our thoughts. And if a thousand years is as one day with the Lord and, and one day is a thousand years, then God's time and our time, we don't see it the same way. We, don't, we, we can't put God on our level and, 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 and make God fit into the box that, that we have created or that the world has created. We need to seek God for understanding. So, if, since Jesus has not come back, we need to rejoice. And we need to get busy doing what the Lord has called us to do. And forget about trying to make what God says in his word fit into our finite minds. Because God is an infinite God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. The heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways and our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. Yeah, yeah. And then, I think, and I'll talk about this a little bit more, we miss the challenge to holy living that comes with us dealing with the day of the Lord. Church is missing out on a whole lot of stuff. A whole lot of stuff. Today. We want everybody to feel good. We do. We want everybody to feel good. Don't, don't say anything negative about anything. Don't, don't, don't talk about sin. And I wonder what do people today categorize sin as? Because everything is right. Everything is right. Love who you want to love. Marry who you want. It's right. Don't say that it's wrong. You're judging people. What is sin? What is sin? What is sin? And I know sometimes, well, I won't say that. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Amen. So what characterizes the day of the Lord? Y'all still here? Amen. Amen. I hope I'm not boring you. This is the way it's coming today. The day of the Lord. I quoted one scripture earlier. I'll come back to it. But when you look at the day of the Lord, the Bible says it will come suddenly it is unannounced and unexpected. Peter says, the day will come as a the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Amen. A thief comes under the cover of darkness. All right. You don't expect the thief. He does not announce himself. He is unexpected by his victims. The day of the Lord will come suddenly. 
unannounced, unexpected. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days of the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. That's the way it's going to be in the day that Jesus returns. People are going to be partying. People are going to be in the nightclubs. People are going to be having good times. People are going to be living life and living large. You notice he said eating and drinking, marrying and giving. There's nothing wrong with eating and drinking and there's nothing wrong with marrying and giving in marriage. But in those times of festivities, people don't pay attention a lot of times to the Lord. They're thinking about the festivities. But what he's saying is that people are going to be living life. They're going to be just enjoying life and not paying attention. Not paying attention to the things that really matter. Not paying attention to the things that God has said in his word. People will just be living life like they were in the days of Noah. And they didn't know anything until the day Noah entered the ark and the flood came and took them all away. Thank God Noah was in the ark. Are you in the ark? Yeah, you don't hear that phrase too much anymore. I think I'm old. I thank God I'm old enough to remember the ark of safety. Thank God Noah was in the ark, but only Noah and his family were in the ark. Did Noah preach the gospel, preach truth and righteousness before he went in? Yes. People didn't pay attention. People were living like they wanted to live. And people, they were warned, but they ignored the warnings. Jesus said, in that day, two men will be in the field. And I, I, when, I, when I wrote that, I said, well, people don't work the fields anymore. So pe two people will be at work, sitting side by side at their desk. One will be taken, the other one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. Two women will be, let's say, riding in the car. You better hope you do the same one as the one driving. <laughs> one will be taken and the other one left. Then Jesus said, watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. Hour of the time, the time broken in. Thief comes unexpected. The day of the Lord will come unexpected. You know when the thief is coming. You know he's coming at night. You're going to stay awake. You're going to have your weapon ready. Because you don't know. And this is the dangerous part. Because some of us are easy to fall asleep. In the natural, I'm, I'm easy to fall asleep. I don't want to fall asleep in the spiritual. I've done enough falling asleep on the spiritual realm. I don't want to do that anymore. Are you understanding me? 
we fall asleep. And what happens when you fall asleep? You don't know what's going on around you. You're not watchful. You're not able to pay attention because you're asleep. And, 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 and the scripture that was read from Romans says, Awake thou that sleepeth. And too many Christians are asleep, caught up in the ways of the world. That's why all of this matters. We're trying to wake you up. Somebody shake that person sitting next to you and say, wake up. Jesus said, be ready. Be ready. It's coming unexpectedly, unannounced. Jesus said, in that day, if people will say, here Christ is or that Christ is, don't believe them. For where the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Some people still don't know the meaning of that scripture. When Jesus comes, those of us who are alive and ready will be caught up to be with him. If somebody has to tell you there he is, you've already missed him. Are you listening? Somebody tell you he's down at the Galleria Mall. Baby, you already missed him. He's coming in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Unannounced. Unexpected. Jesus says, be ready. Be ready. Peter goes on. Peter goes on. That's the name of Jesus. I take my eyeglasses out to read. You know, that's, that's a wonderful thing. Some people have to put their eyeglasses on to read. <laughs> but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in them will be burned up. Jesus comes. And comes in judgment, there's a burning. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that this earth is going to be destroyed. But we believe in a new heaven and a new earth that should come down out of God adorned as a bride for her husband. That's what the Bible teaches. You love this present world? You love your house and your things? Then you might get burned up in your house if Jesus come tomorrow if you ain't saved. The Bible says there's going to be great destruction. What are we holding on to? What are we loving? Things that are going to be burned up? Love not the world, nor the things of the world, for everything that's in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All these things, they're not of God. They're passing away. Don't love these things. But in the day of the Lord, there's going to be great destruction because, again, the wrath of God is going to be poured out as judgment upon the wickedness and the sinfulness of this world. So it behooves you and me that our lives should be characterized by holiness. Hallelujah. Because that's the only thing that prepares us for the day of the Lord and keeps us safe. You read the scripture and, 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 and Peter says, Looking for 
and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will dissolve. No, let's back up. Therefore, since all of these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Think about it. Let that settle into your spirit, man, into your mind. Since all of this is going to be dissolved, all of this is going to be burned up, destroyed, everything that you hold dear to you, the things of this world, this beautiful society. Because that's the lady, when I was ministering in Liberia, and I didn't know the lady was Jehovah's Witness until I sat down and talked to her. She said, you mean to tell me you believe that God's going to burn up this beautiful world that we live in? I said, that's what my Bible tells me, so I believe it. Because we look for a new heaven and a new earth. So since these things are going to be, have you ever asked yourself the question, since these things are going to happen, what type of person should I be? Because that's the question. Since you know all of these things, what type of person should you be? If you get a job and you know that there are certain requirements for that job, in order for you to keep the job, wouldn't it make sense to learn those requirements? Because you want to keep the job. You join a sports team and you want to play sports. Doesn't it make sense? I mean, well, it makes sense because you see these people doing it. To fulfill all of those requirements, you know, I used to watch my son as he was in peewee football and I said, you know, why are they, why are they letting them run and fall on the ground and roll over and do all this stuff. And you see people who will push their children in sports because they're looking for something. They're looking for something. They, they want that child, a lot of them, to become professional. And a lot of our young boys want to go to the NFL. But these same parents will not push their children in the ways of God. Some of them. Somebody posted this on Facebook and I laughed because it was funny and I wish they had did it for the church. They showed, it was a teacher, showed people lining up for PTA meeting and saw all the chairs empty. One or two people there. Black Friday sale. The liners around the store. Things that matter don't matter to some of us. So we will push our children in the things of the world. We won't push them in the things of God. What manner of person, since you know all of this, what manner of person ought you be? in holy conduct and godliness. 
What Peter is doing is dealing with our preparation. Jesus has said we should be ready for his return. Since we don't know the exact time, but we know he's coming back again. You read Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, he's dealing with readiness. He gives a parable of the ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. What characterized the wise virgins? They were preparing for the marriage feast. They did not know when the bridegroom was going to come. They understood the customs. And they knew he could come anytime. So they took, they took oil in their lamps. And they took extra oil. What characterized the foolish virgins? They only took oil in their lamps. They understood the customs too. They grew up in the customs. We've grown up in the church. We've heard the preacher. Tell the person sitting next to you, don't be no fool. I know that's a double negative, but that's how we say it. You know what I mean. Do not be a fool. Are you listening? Because some of us are acting foolish. Some of us are acting foolish. You can tell your children when they start, you're acting foolish. Don't be a fool. Tell your brother, tell your sister, tell your husband, tell your wife, don't be a fool. They may not like it, but yeah. Some people are acting like the foolish virgins. We are not considering being, being ready. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But we're living like it's okay. I got enough. I got enough oil. <laughs> oh, boy, when I hear people say, don't take all of that, they're saying, I got enough. I don't need to speak in other tongues. I got enough. Maybe you don't need to speak in other tongues. It ain't a requirement of salvation. It's not. But maybe you need help sometime that your natural language can't, can't get you through. Maybe you need to pray. I mean, your spirit man needs to pray in words that your mind doesn't understand. You know? There, there have been some difficult times in my life, and if it had not been for being able to pray in the language of the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't have made it through. When I said everything I knew to say with my natural mind. Yeah. People say, it don't take all of that. It takes that. It takes people laying hands on the sick that they may recover. It takes people casting out demons. It takes all of that. We think you put them on some, take them to the psychiatrist and put them on some medicine, they're going to be all right. When they come off of the medicine, when they refuse to take the medicine, when the medicine doesn't help, oh, Lord, help us today. Help us today. Readiness is living holy, covered under the blood of Jesus. Amen. Bible says, yes, we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. But if we confess our sins... The Lord is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and the cleanse us of all unrighteousness. 
reading in the devotion, I think it was this morning, it says, keep a short account. Keep a short account with God. If you sin, confess it immediately. Turn from it immediately. This is a challenge for us while we wait to live holy, to live godly lives. Positive thinking and good living is not the challenge to live holy. Positive, positive thinking will not keep you holy. Prosperity gospel won't keep you holy. The message of the cross, hallelujah, and a proper perspective and a diet, a good diet in the Word of God, hallelujah, and the power of the Holy Ghost will keep you living holy while you wait. New age thinking won't keep you holy while you wait. Following the latest trends in popular thinking won't keep you holy while you wait. Going to the clubs and chilling with your lukewarm friends won't keep you holy while you wait. Your faithfulness in the fellowship of believers, hallelujah, who are people who are also waiting on the Lord, studying the Word of God, praying in the Holy Ghost, fasting and seeking the face of God, looking for the Lord's return. That'll help keep you holy. We need some people who are speaking to our lives. We need people who will challenge us when we're doing wrong. We need people who call us up when the Lord puts us on their heart. God knows what's going on in our lives. God will lay people on our hearts. We need to pick up the telephone and call them and encourage them in the Lord because we need to stay holy in the presence of the Lord. So don't be led away with the error of those who don't believe because the day of the Lord is coming and is coming as a thief in the night. I want to be ready when the Lord comes. My intention is to be ready when the Lord comes. Hallelujah. I remember that old song that says, be ready. Hallelujah. When the Lord comes, don't let him catch you with your work undone. Hallelujah. Don't let him catch you with your lion shoes on. Don't let him catch you on the dancing floor. Be ready when the Lord returns because he's coming again and he's coming so soon. You therefore, beloved, the Bible says, seeing you know these things, beware lest you're led away with the error of the wicked. Don't fall from your steadfastness. Some of us have been steadfast in the Lord. You need to remain steadfast. If you've already fallen away, come back to the Lord and repent of your sins and turn from your wicked ways. Jesus, he's coming again. We don't know when. We don't know how long, but he's coming again. We don't need to know where, because where the carcass is, the eagles will be gathered together. Hallelujah. Just be ready. Just be ready. Tell your neighbor, be ready. When the Lord comes, what else do we need to be doing? Peter said, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be growing in the Lord. 
every day we live, every time we have an opportunity, grow in the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus because he's coming back. Yes, he is. He's coming back. I said he's coming back again. He's looking for a church without spot or wrinkle. Oh, yes, he is. And the Bible says judgment will begin at the house of the Lord. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. Then where shall the wicked and the unbelieving be? It's starting right in the house of God. So be ready. Be ready. Be ready. When the Lord comes, there's not going to be time to get ready. We have to be ready. We have to be ready when the Lord comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this morning, Maybe there's somebody, you've not been living in readiness. You've been doing like the people in the days of Noah, just living life. Not giving God much concern or much thought. You know, as good as it is to come to church, it's better to be a student of the word of the Lord. And develop your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And let the church be the vehicle that helps you grow in the Lord. Today, with the opinions of people being what they are, somehow or another, we've got to get to the place where we discover what the scriptures teach and come back to the word of God so we can be ready. My opinion does not matter. What I think about it, how I feel about it, really does not matter. It's what the word of God says. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. So we extend the invitation. There are people today you feel like that you need to recommit to the Lord. Get back on track. You've been off track. You've been distracted. You've just really gotten caught up and pulled away. You've gotten into things that, that you know is not good for you. It's not helping your spiritual growth. Today you can recommit. Today you can reconnect. Today you can say yes.